This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. There it is. It's the only show in town that plays that song. It's the Eric Francis Show. Oh, oh my God. Yes. That's, that's a show. That's that's a show in itself. It's uh, the Eric Francis Show brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. It's a big day down here at the Saddle Dome. Uh, Ryan Huska is the 24th head coach. Now, did we crunch the numbers, Pat, on whether or not his two-game head coaching stint counted as one of those previous 24? No, we don't know. Okay, We're not going to get to the bottom of that today, but we're going to get to the bottom of so many other things. Um, I guess in the first half of the show to break down what we heard today, what we saw, what we can expect moving forward is Ryan Leslie from Sportsnet. Thanks for joining me, my friend. Thank you for having me. Do I sound? You. You're hot. Okay. You're hot there, Sounds right? a little. Yeah, come there we on, go. Though. Thank you. That was Pat sabotaging you. Uh, Pat will be uh, our second guest. Then. Sure. He wants to make sure the first guest sounds as awful as possible so that He's he shines brighter. He's getting jiggy with it. That's, hey, how <laughs> no, good a just, song is that? You just need to hear more uh, of me today. Yeah, we're going to have, uh, really this is a 20-minute respite from Pat on this station and that's about all you're going to get today okay what did we hear what did we what did you walk away from that press conference today uh as as a sticking point for you well i thought first of all i thought he was uh, completely confident i thought he really showed well i thought he sounded great i thought he he sounded uh you know like he knew what he wanted he you can no surprise that in his you know in craig conroy's uh, message to the media about his presentation um huska's presentation very thorough pinpoint I just think he's a really polished guy, and I think it was really encouraging for players, season ticket holders, um, those in the media. You heard some confidence. You heard some ideals. You heard some direction, and I think you heard some you know, talk of culture and environment and being a place where people want to come to the rink. And uh, for me, that just instilled a little bit of confidence, I think, outwardly, and I think that's who he is. Um, I think he's really well you know put together as far as a head coach he's polished he's done a lot in this game and i think it really came through today and i think it it instilled some confidence for me how about you yeah i think i think confidence i think one of the taking uh, the points that you kind of take away is and it, it it might be a loaded topic to get into but like just how different an approach today mm, was to yeah. the media compared to what we've been dealing with the last two and a half years, right? For I sure. Mean, this is a very humble... Uh, Egos in check. There you go. You can finish that thought. I mean, because it's true. It's it's just a different approach. So, you know, Daryl Sutter is a very accomplished uh, coach who's very set in his ways. His approach with the media, his approach with everything was cut and dried. And if he didn't like it, too bad. Um, I think this is a guy who's going to, you know, he he's, he's still in the... Is the honeymoon phase the term, or, or you know, he's certainly in the trial phase. I mean, people don't know much about right. him, even though we he's can been talk about how nice years. he sounded. Really, yeah. Eric. The bottom line is, people just care about wins in the city. For sure. Wake me when it's the postseason. Wake me when you're in the first round. Wake me when you're advancing and beyond. And I think that's where he will be measured. But from a standing point of, of day one, you heard the things you needed to hear. You felt the air lift. It was a little lighter around here. That was sorely needed. And Daryl Sutter was very accomplished. Um, but it was time for a change, and the change today sort of sounded like what people need to hear. There was some talk of some youth. There was some talk about relationships with the pending free agents. There was some talk about yep. structure, system, syst- um, and, and just the style of play. So you heard the right things. It is June. You have to, you know, everybody, including the new head coach, wants the season now. But as this thing plays out with the draft coming up and free agency and the work that 
that Craig Conroy has to do, and the coach will be very much a part of things as well. Um, I think I think you heard the right things for the day it was, and now you wait to see it get implemented. What do you say to people, and there are a faction of fans out there who are like, I am done with this. They've promoted from within once again. This never works. They're not spending money on head coaches. Have you heard a lot of that? I, I don't I, know. I have heard from people uh, the term underwhelming. Like, wow, hmm. because I think – in this world of headlines, people are looking for a splashy name, whether that was Laviolette or Gallant or, you know, just someone that everybody's heard of and has seen have success in the league. And then you bring in someone who, quite frankly, let's be honest, a lot of people in the city don't know a whole lot about him because he's blended into the background as an assistant coach. What, what do you say to people uh, to who me, just, it's just kind of play that? Let's have this conversation when the results are on the line because yeah. they've had splash here. And it hasn't worked. They've had the, the big names, the, the gray hairs, the startups, the assistants promoted. They've had this by definition. They've had everything here. All people care about, I believe, in this market are results. Yeah. Just, okay, can you win? Because this fan base needs it. And well, that's what this whole thing should be measured by. Yeah. This is pro sports, enough with... Now, I get it. we got to bat it around for sure. That's our job, and that's mm-hmm. what people are talking about in their offices or with their buddies, whatever it is. But uh, this is a matter of, okay, the coach is hired here in June. Let's wait to see what happens when he gets his you know fingerprints all over this thing, and he's pretty dialed in as far as that locker room down the hall. you got some work to do. The, the GM's still very much, I think... Um, the one that people are focused on. Can you get these free agents going? What's this team going to look like? Are young guys coming in? Now, as we get closer to the fall, then we're going to see training camp and beyond. That's when we're going to start to see what Huss can do. And I, I think we've seen what he can do, but now at this level. We both like this move? Because I, I just, I, I, let, let me preface it. Sorry. I'll go on the record just saying, I like this move. I sent Husk a note early in this process and said, I think you're the guy for the job. Good luck. I hope you get it. Um, he was the guy who I thought was best for this group because mm-hmm. I think continuity is important. Mm-hmm. You've, you've gone and blown this thing up in a big way by getting rid of the man who designed the entire culture of the organization. That's gone, and someone's got to reshape that with the help of the GM and other management and assistant coaches. I think he is someone who's been around this team long enough to know what went wrong, what needs to be fixed, and how he can go about fixing it. Your thoughts? Yeah, and you heard him say it, I, I believe, on the show just prior to this one about you know he really does believe this is a good team um and when you start thinking about how this team picked themselves up off the mat time and time again eric these one goal losses you know and that heaviness that was around this rink and the fact that there were players who were not having good years we know that the fact that this team was still what three points out at the end whatever it was was it three pat that they uh, finished out of it was it two I mean, they had to somehow scrape themselves up off the floor day in, day out. I think there's a lot of talent here. There's a lot of guys who are going to be playing guilty, which means be better. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I like this move. I like this coach, and I probably, like everybody else, want to just see what it looks like. I think he's a tremendous individual, tremendous coach um, with a real, a real demeanor. That's the word. He's a real person. And ego's in check. Um, he is respectful. Just when we saw him leaving this studio moments ago, you know, he's got time for everybody. That's, that's not just because it's day one. He's the coach. That's how he is. I've been around this guy on the road, on the plane, mm-hmm. on the buses. I've been, you know, at various function where functions where he's been. It's a real person and a real good coach. 
Let's just cut to the chase and talk about where we were and where we are. Straight up, players hated being here last year. Am I wrong? You know the players even better than I do. And we're around every day on the road, and we know that there was a culture here that was so poisoned that these players did not like coming to the rink. They did not like the culture that had been built around here. Um, fair. Fair. Okay. Do you believe this is the guy who can shape that in another way? Because, And I think he can do it by way of communication. Mm-hmm. Sutter's mantra was comfort is death. Uh, if you're off balance, that's what I want you to be. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to know really know where you are because I want you to keep striving for more. This is a coach who says, if you're unsure where you stand, then I've failed as a coach because I need to tell you at yeah. all times where you stand, where you need to get to, and what we expect of you. And I think that's just smart management in today's world. I think he's going to identify with today's player very well. Mm-hmm. And I think as far as the dynamic of – you know, ego and psyche and preparation, all of those factors, all of those ingredients. I think he is the type of coach and the type of person that will really um, blend with what a player needs today. And because uh, ego is very much a, a big part of, of pro sports. This guy's in check. And again, get back to the real thing. But I just think he's a communicator. He's like that teacher you had who left a really good impression with you. Even when you were a rotten student, yeah. there was that... You know, you didn't blow in school off. You didn't care. Whatever. Maybe you were, but that teacher uh, believed in you and knew how to relate to you. And yeah. I think he's going to know how to relate. To, he's a teacher. He's a communicator. He's a coach. And he's a, and you know what? He's what, 47, 48? Um, he's not some old gray hair coach that's like, ah, the old man's lost it. There's none of that. Yeah. This yeah. guy is very in tune. He's a family man. He's got a young family. He's been in the game, around the game, for a very long time. In every capacity except yep. for head coach at the NHL. At the NHL level. And even technically he did have two games in that regard. Yeah. But, you know, and, and I – Did you hear his honesty too? Because he instilled some confidence in that press conference. But he also was very honest uh, about, you know, he knew he wasn't good enough as a player. Yeah. And uh, it was – it was oddly, and, and and that great story that he told about being eight years old mm-hmm. around some Flames alumni as a kid, a breakfast that he was at, and he just worked his way into this league and this game, and now here he is at this point, and there's a great story I was just told a moment ago about, you know, he knew he wasn't good enough in Chicago. It was Bob Murray, but Bob Murray knew how hard he was working as a prospect and gave him that game against the Calgary Flames. Yeah. So this was fascinating. Of course, their meetings are going on, and Huska told that story in with their meetings, and Bob Murray was on Zoom. Isn't that wild how it all comes yeah. full circle? But there he was. He got that game because of his work ethic, and Bob Murray gave it to him because of the way he conducts himself. And now here he is, a head coach. He reinvented himself knowing that he wasn't going to be a pro player. And here he is, a professional National Hockey League head coach today. It's a, it's a big day for him, and you can't wipe that smile off his face. you get got two good guys. We talked about this in our hit earlier, Eric. I mean, if there's two guys in Craig Conroy and Ryan Huska who are going to be able to, you know, communicate and use their relationships and their social skills with today's players that they need to re-up or part ways with, who knows how it's all going to play out. Mm-hmm. But with those seven players who are pending free agents, those two are going to go a long way. Well, I don't think anyone has a better chance of trying to convince these guys that the team is now in better hands than those two guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, will they be able to keep the majority of those seven guys? My money's still not on it. I, I think that there there are issues far larger at play mm-hmm. than just are they comfortable with the head coach sure. and do they like, they like the, the general GM. manager? Yeah. I mean, these are good guys, but 
that's not what that's not been the problem. Mm-hmm. Some of these guys just want greener pastures. They want warmer cities. They want more money. They want whatever the case is. Uh, they want to play with bigger stars, whatever. But, but the Flames are doing what they can yeah, now good point. to try to, you know, make this place a very uh, attractive place to play. And it is. It is. But there are challenges that, depending on where your birth certificate is, depending on what your contractual status is, everybody has to be very realistic about this. And again, to your point, it's pro sports. So we will see how this whole thing happens and shakes down. But you've got some pieces that if you have to make some moves, don't you, that you're going to feel, okay, does anybody want some of these pieces? I I think there's a want for some of them, for Mm -hmm. sure. Uh, When you look at uh, where they are in their age group bracket, where they are in their careers, I think there's some desirable pieces here. But, hey, the draft is coming up. I can't wait to see what comes as a result of it. The off-seasons have become so fascinating in Calgary. Obviously, that's mm-hmm. the second year in a row, and we could argue which has been more full of more upheaval or, or heartache. or you know, I, That's, that's a, a conversation for another day. But uh, it certainly has been uh, eventful. And you know, I think that we, we got through the negative things early, and that's not to say there won't be more negative this summer because, I mean, if they mm-hmm. have to trade Elias Lindholm, it's, an obvious, it's obvious that he had triggered that, and he wants out. Either way, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, there there was a lot of talk about Huberto, and I think there's a real danger in hiring a head coach or a general manager or anybody just so that you can appease your star player or the guy who's paid to be your star mm-hmm. player. There's a lot of talk about what can we do to make Huberto more comfortable, and, and Ryan Huska spoke of that today. But I thought there was one quote that was fascinating when uh, – Conroy said you can't do anything with two minutes to go when you're sitting on the bench so I think you're going to see the stars of this team get a whole lot more ice time than they ever got under Daryl Sutter and I was a little surprised and I'll get back to the Huberto thing but I was a little bit surprised that you didn't hear the word Nazem Kadri in that press conference never came up yeah good point and that to me is maybe one of the bigger concerns um, about him sort of finding his game now I Huberto on the ice certainly you want to see more production but Kadri on and off the ice you're going to want more and I want to see how this looks you know he and uh, Daryl Sutter did not agree uh, with one another and Mm -hmm. I'm not sure we saw well uh, just a real good fraction of Nazem Kadri the end of the season I just it wasn't there I want to see can this guy get back into all right I'm a Calgary flame I'm going to be a productive member of this team on the ice and I think in the dynamic of that group as well, inside that that circle. I want to see him become fully invested. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is a huge one. Now, to your point about Huberto, yeah, I I think that was really telling. Want to be on the ice. Want to be utilized properly. You know, want to be the go-to guy. Now, there's a million different reasons. Everybody's got a theory as to what went on and why Jonathan Huberto wasn't what they thought it was going to be. Um, but I think it starts with that, and I think the relationship, and I, you know, I really think that you do not hire for that type of scenario, but I think it's going to go a long way with that player, a long way. I think so. We're talking to Ryan Leslie. It's the Eric Francis Show brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. Ryan Huska is the 24th head coach of the Calgary Flames. We just had the press conference about an hour or so ago. I think uh, I think it was a success in the organization's eyes. I know Ryan Huska, of course, yeah. this was a day he'll never forget, and nor should he. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about, there was one character in the crowd, Rick Bell, columnist with the Calgary Sun. This is funny that I'm even bringing this up, and I've known Rick forever. And he wrote a column 
couple months ago talking about the uh, the the players, the inmates running the asylum, and that they whined and moaned and, and wanted something different, and they got it, and they win. So now, really, who's winning? Who's running the team? Is it the players, or is it going to be this new coach? I tried to explain to Rick just now. It's my belief that Ryan Huska played good cop. If you want to talk about analogies, Ryan Huska was good cop to mm-hmm. Daryl's bad cop, in my opinion. Yep. I wasn't in the room, but from what I've understood and heard, well, that's fair. Uh, I think that that is someone yeah. like when these players who really had a problem with the coach and the culture and the way things were being run around here, I think Huska would have been a, a sympathetic ear these guys could have turned to. And Kirk Muller. And Kirk Muller. Oh, I think, yeah, a good point. Kirk Muller was, was a go-to guy for those guys. Not yeah. to suggest Husk wasn't, but Muller was instrumental in that. Yeah, and so I, I think that the notion that these players are still calling the shots, first of all, is ridiculous. Second of all, I think this we're now in a scenario where there are no more excuses. These players got what they wanted, and that's a new voice, a guy who they like. It's now 100% on these players. Right? And we've said that for some time, hence the, I think the return of Daryl. Um, they were out of excuses before, mm-hmm. and uh, I think they are, again, a different group. But, yeah, I mean, they've had every type of coach in here, in and around this group. Now the group's changed, mm-hmm. and so two of the coaches. That's just the way it goes. But there's no more excuses for the organization. Mm-hmm. They're in a win-now mode, and they remain there philosophically. Yeah. Whether or not you think they are or agree that, what are you talking about? They're, they're not ready to go deeper. Maybe you believe they're Stanley Cup favorites. I don't know. But the mentality of and the, phil- the, the philosophy of this organization is win now. Mm-hmm. And I think that sits well, although I know we've heard from fans in the past about getting young players in. Now that usually was at the end of the season when the picture was a little more they're not in it kind of conversation. But this group has got to find a way. And I do think this is a talented team. I do think that they're going to be playing guilty. I do think they're out of excuses. Mm-hmm. But I can't sit here now in June and tell you what they're going to be because we don't know who's going to be here and who's going who's going to be gone. Yeah. But I, I know that they're trying to change the culture, the atmosphere, the environment around here and there is talented pieces. They're not in they're not even entertaining the idea of a rebuild. So we don't need to worry about that just mm-hmm. yet. And you think about this GM and this head coach. There's no guarantee how long they're going to last. Daryl Sutter had eight sheets coming to him, and he's gone. So mm-hmm. there is no job security. You've got to win now, yeah. especially when it is in line with what your ownership group and your organization has. Mm-hmm. All right, we got uh, one more for you. Pat really wants to get on the air and say what he has to say. I'm kidding. He's yeah, just, it's about time. Uh, it's, uh, Pat Steinberg will join us next after the break. But I want to get into one name that – it, it, we waited till the very end of the press conference to ask about it. And I, I didn't want to ask about it earlier out of respect to the moment for this head coach, but a lot of people were thinking or hoping potentially that Mitch Love would be the head coach. And I thought what Craig Conroy said about that was fascinating. He said, this guy is going to be a head coach in the NHL. No question about it in my mind. No question about it in Mitch Love's mind. He's got the confidence that he thinks he should be there now. But he said that with all – with that step from the AHL to the NHL, whether it's travel, media, rinks, uh, the huge contracts, the egos, the veterans, he just didn't think it was fair to put Mitch Love in that scenario. I think their dream scenario is Mitch Love joins as an assistant coach here, but I'm not sure he's going to. I don't know if his noise is at a joint. Uh, we're soon going to find out, or if he decides he wants to go somewhere else. And I'll tell you another place where he could land is Toronto because Brad Trelevingham knows him really well. What a perfect insurance policy for Sheldon Keefe. Although, do you want to put Mitch Love in a scenario where he steps in 
That's quite a fire. To the biggest hotbed in hockey. It's quite a fire. I don't know, but your thoughts he's on a, he's got a, He's got a year under contract. Or he's got one more year. Um, I, and I understand Craig's point about, you know, the daily grind. And this is, this is a coach who runs hot. He's emotional, um, self-confident, all these things. It would probably be in his best interest to say nothing of how accomplished he is at the American Hockey League level and mm-hmm. what a coach and how highly coveted he is. But it would be, I believe, in his best interest to come on board as an assistant at the National Hockey League level to see what those daily grinds are like. This is a different beast. And not to suggest he doesn't have an idea of it, but you got to live it. you got to understand it, and you got to feel it. And I think that's where, you know, that was not the only factor, but I think that was a factor at this point in his development. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, we just saw the Toronto assistant go become a head coach. Um, and mm-hmm. he was a coach of the year at the American Hockey League level. Then he becomes an assistant in Toronto. And now he's on to Washington and away you go. But, you know, this is a, this is a, a progression business. And uh, just ask Ryan Huska. And now you wonder, uh, yeah, would he come on? I think it would be his best, in his best interest. You wonder I you do know, too. if egos and everything are all the same and everything checks out. It, it would make a lot of sense. So we'll see, uh, especially when he is under contract for another year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean. I, More on that with Pat coming up after. That's right. I'm sure he has some thoughts on Mitch Love. Let's get him back in here. All right, my man. Thanks Everybody's in their car thoughts. going, where's Pat? Is he sick? Like, it's been five minutes since yeah, we've heard him. We haven't heard him. We changed the call <laughs> letters to, what is it? PAT960. Yeah. The point after attempt with Pat. I love it. DJ Power Play. We, we will be back with He's DJ Power Play. He's getting jiggy with it. In just a couple of minutes. And yeah, I will get his thoughts on that great song that leads into the show Lord. every single week. He probably played it at every wedding he ever Right after hosted. the chicken dance. Hey, did you bust that out? Maybe a little Moni Moni. Oh, yeah, that's well on the played. Don't Playlist. All right. Pat's playlist next on uh, the <laughs> Sports Set 960. The fan. Thanks for uh, joining Thanks us for today, Ryan. I appreciate it, my man. Well, I, I to be honest, I hope I don't see you around here anytime soon. Uh, because uh, let's Means have some summer. Yes. Yeah, let's, let's not do any more work for a You're little while. You're due for a break. Yeah, yeah I'm, I could use a break, that's for sure. Okay, uh, Alberta was built on the back of a horse, and horses continue to play an important role in the province today. How's that for a segue there, Ryan? The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry contributes over $300 million to the Alberta economy annually, and, in, and the industry employs over 5,000 Albertans live standard bread racing is back. Come experience the races every Friday and Saturday live at Century Downs Racetrack and Casino. For more info on how to get in on the action, visit thehorses.com. Must be 18 plus. Please play responsibly. We'll be back with P.A.T. Steinberg. You're listening to Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right. We've got the expert in here now for the second half of the show, Pat Steinberg, formerly known as DJ Powerplay, or forever known as DJ Powerplay. Hey, you never know. The way this industry is going could be again. Still on your resume. Keep it there. I might still, I might be back doing weddings anytime soon. And one, one day soon at a wedding near you. And if so, would you play this song? You okay with this? Depends on the crowd. Oh, you really like to read the room, you eh? got to read the room. Okay, perfect segue. Reading the room today. One of the things that Ryan Leslie said that I thought was very interesting was uh, okay, easy. He didn't say a single. No, this is about he three didn't years say a ago. Single interesting. About thing. three years ago, he said something interesting. I was gonna, but forget it. You're right. That's irrelevant. The confidence. You know what? What did people hope to hear today? What could this organization have said? Geez, I hope today 
We come away from this press conference with what? And did they deliver that? You know, I, I think so on a couple of different fronts. There's two fronts. First of all, it's Craig Conroy's the worst liar in in <laughs> hockey. Like he's a hor- he'll tell you straight up he's a horrible liar. Mm-hmm. Um and and I I've, I, I, I want to play him. poker with him. Oh, he'd be awful at it. Yeah. I, I remember I remember a couple times he like he hasn't tried to lie to me, but he's like I can't. I can't even not tell. Like he just. It's not. He's not very good at it. He'll probably have to get better at it now as a general manager. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, I think we're pretty at this point as Flames fans, or like you and I being around all the time. I think we know have a pretty good idea of when Craig's being sincere. And and I believe from everything that I I know and and from my understanding, like Ryan Huska was the preferred candidate before Conroy, like for for Craig before he took over Mm -hmm. as the general manager. And so he went through, he said about 15 names to start with, got Mm -hmm. it down to the four who we think we, we know who they are. But if Ryan Huska is the guy that you really believe should be the head coach before you're the general manager, then you become the general manager. Well, then... Pretty good, uh, pretty good chance he's going to become that guy. And I just, it really felt like that was a general manager who felt like he got his guy, mm-hmm. and and felt even more confident that he got his guy after going through the process. And and that I felt was really genuine. And every time Craig was asked a question, or every second time he was asked a question, he went back to, "This is my guy, a hundred percent." And I thought that was really genuine. Uh, and I thought that really resonated. And then the other thing that that I really came away with. And Ryan said it in the news conference. He said it when he sat down with us here. And that is, he even used the term agitated. Like, he gets agitated when when talking about why assistants can't go to being a head coach and and why that's going to be a a hindrance to him or a handicap to him. And I thought that was really interesting Mm -hmm. as well because I think he did a good job, as, as, as good a job as you can, before getting behind the bench and coaching games for real of dispelling the whole idea that he's not going to be able to command the respect or the authority or the attention that he'd need to as a head coach because he was an assistant inside the same room the last five years. So those are the, those are the two things that really stood out to me. You said uh, we think we know who the four finalists are, and I, they alluded to the fact that Mitch Love was a finalist along with uh, Ryan Huska who got the job. Who are the other two in your mind? I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but you well, said we think we know. And I think like there I, a lot of rumors. I, I am very confident Travis Green was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Green was one of the leading external candidates and was way down the road. And then it, it sounds like based on Elliot's reporting that uh, Reardon was the fourth guy. So mm-hmm. I my my guess would be. I, I'm I'm quite confident it was Ryan Huska, Mitch Love, Travis Green, and then based on Freege, I, I would guess the fourth would have been Reardon. Yeah, yeah, and that's fair. Uh, you know, I, I do think that you're going to see. You know, uh, Travis Green would be an interesting hire as an assistant because, you know, much like how Conroy is being insulated by some guys who've been in and around the league for a while, like Don Maloney. You want if if it is a first time head coach, even though he's been in the league for a while. You, you want some veteran savvy on your, you know, like like they added Dave Donis, you know, yep. for, for Conroy. You know, Travis Green would probably fit that bill quite well um, if, if that's the way they wanted to go. I'm sure Dave Nonis, uh, that sort of pattern, I think, is, is predictable. I'm not going to sit here and ask you who you would pick, but do you agree with uh, Ryan Leslie's assessment and mine that I think it's a no-brainer to hire Mitch Love as an assistant coach 
if he's willing to do it. I just don't know if he's willing to give up a head coaching job to work in the NHL as an assistant. I, I would absolutely, if I'm if I'm Ryan and if I'm Craig, I, I would go to him and say, hey, we really see we really see you. Like uh, the, the next step for you is now getting this experience in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And, and whether that means getting closer to a head coaching job with the Calgary Flames, I mean, probably if you're Ryan Huska, you don't want to say that because that's your job. Yeah. But, but or it's, hey, this could get you closer to being a head coach in the NHL. You you start running the power play, or you start running the penalty kill and working the D and and whatever, however they would want him to to be used. And you've got a, a big fancy associate coach as, as your title or something like that. Um, that that could really you may be able to sell it to him as that could really be the next step. And maybe in a year or two, you are running an NHL bench. But I'm really curious if if. Mitch is interested in that, and and I I, I honestly don't know. Um, I know Frank Saravalli put out a little earlier that uh, he's going to be looking at all options now. He does have term, I believe, he's got one year left on his contract as as the Wranglers' head coach. So you know, contractually, if there isn't a promotion out there, he will be back with the Wranglers next year. But I do think that he'll get bites from NHL teams, whether it be as an assistant or or as maybe a head coach. What I'm really curious about is the whole idea of perception, right? Because I think I think one of the things that we see now is if if you're Mitch, you really want to if you want to be an NHL head coach, I think you also need to make it known that you want to be an NHL head coach mm-hmm. and take the steps that would signify to other teams that you are serious about this and this is your number one thing. So, you know, maybe moving on to another organization and, and looking at a team, and I'm not saying any of this would happen, but maybe you look at uh, a team like Tampa Bay. Say, well, I, I see if I can go work on John Cooper's staff as an assistant and that, or or maybe it's a Boston, or I'm just, I'm just throwing out, or, or Dallas and Peter DeBoer, or something, something like that where you go to an established, successful, well-thought-of head coach right now, get on their staff, and use that as kind of the next bullet point on your resume and saying, I'm serious about doing this, and I, I really wanted to work under Coach X so that – I don't know if there's a head coaching job out there for him in the NHL immediately. Maybe there is, and that would be awesome. I know you threw out the, the Toronto name and, and – um, there might be other head coaching jobs that come available. I know there's some uncertainty about DJ Smith in Ottawa. So maybe there is a mm-hmm. head coaching job that opens for him. But as of right now, it feels like the very least you'd have to consider being an assistant in the NHL if the NHL is where you want to be next year, whether it's Calgary or elsewhere. But I just wonder if the whole idea of going to another organization and going about it that way, perception-wise, might be important for him. I'm, I'm curious. I really don't know where his head's at. And I don't even know if it's about perception. I think it's about, you know, uh, the reality is that does he feel like he could come here and learn from a first-year head coach as opposed to going and learn from a potentially future Hall of Famer in John Cooper, you know, just for throwing Absolutely. names out there. Or can you see a, a quicker path to the NHL head coaching ranks if you go through Toronto and you're the assistant to Sheldon Keep, who we all know is hanging by a thread potentially like I think he'll be their coach this year I will find out in the next week or so but if he is kept on it's pretty clear that he's he's definitely on probation we'll put it to you that way and Tree would probably be able to explain to him look uh, you come in here and if it doesn't work out with Sheldon you're my heir apparent 
who knows? But uh, he's well sought after, or well thought of, sorry, in the, around the league. And uh, I'm sure it's disappointing he didn't get this job because I'm sure he could see the path to getting it, especially when you're a finalist. But uh, it'll be fascinating to see where he goes from this point on. Okay, uh, I want you, as a wordsmith, I want you to use your words to describe to me as succinctly as possible the way that the previous coach felt it was best to get the most out of players compared to how you think Ryan Huska will approach that same goal of getting the most out of players? Because that's the only job a coach has. So that's a, that's a fun question. I think the former head coach tried to get the most out of his players by uh, being extremely demanding and relentless and at sometimes um, employing some old school psychological yeah. warfare tricks is yeah. is how I think the how I think Daryl Sutter went about trying to get the most out of his players. I think he was hard. I think he iron fist and and tried to even at times kind of get into heads. I think Ryan Huska is going to look at it very, very differently, connect with players on an individual basis and approaching each player differently. And, and, you know, even listening to both Craig and Ryan when they joined us last hour talking about the way that he dealt with Rasmus Anderson Mm -hmm. compared to the way that he dealt with Oliver Shillington and two guys who have both improved along the way and had spent Plenty of time with Ryan in the American League before becoming full-time NHLers. So I think that's the I think more of a connection. Not not meaning he won't be demanding and and won't be um, won't be very firm and and even at times you know using things like ice time to prove his point. But I think what we're talking about is a guy who understands the importance of making that connection with each guy. And and I think that's what's really important in this day and age because I don't think you approach Jonathan Huberdeau the same way you approach Dylan Dubé, yeah. the same way you approach Nazem Kadri, and the same way you yeah. approach Chris Tanev. I think each guy has, has a different approach that needs to, to get the most out of that guy. So that would be how I would articulate that. Agree? Agreed. And articulate to me how different you think press conferences are going to be. And this is not a selfish question about for you and I. I mean, there are there was a large audience of people who almost unofficially declared the game's not over until Daryl's spoken about the game. And you know the numbers in terms of your – I would send you audio from the road yeah. from Daryl, and you'd always say, man, thank God people are clamoring for Daryl's thoughts. Just on a daily basis, how much different are those press conferences going to be? I think very. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you're going – It's a loaded you're, question, you're, obviously. You're, you're, you're not going to get the – Look, Daryl was at times hilarious, and, and mm-hmm. like you're not going to get the quips. I don't think we're going to get kicked in the teeth as much as we were. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that I think that he's going to Ryan. That is 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 going to try to articulate and explain as as much as he can to to make things clear to fans and, and understanding that us donkeys are just kind of the way that things get to the most important people. And um, so I, I I think they'll they'll be more. Not to say there weren't stretches of time where Daryl was informative and 
um, enlightening because there were there were a lot. You, lots, you, for you, sure. get, you get them on a practice day on a Tuesday in February, like you could spend eleven and a half minutes on three questions. You're like, holy! I just learned that was a very lot. Oh, we could learn so much from Daryl for sure. I think we'll get less of the forty-two second news conferences though, where it's like, Daryl, what'd you think of the game? Yeah, we lost. Like, I, I think you'll get less mm-hmm. of that um, because I just I don't I don't I think different personalities in that respect. I think that you'll get more uh, less entertaining, more insightful. Yes. Uh, and, and not that Daryl couldn't be insightful because you, you nailed it. He, there were some days you're like, wow, I never even thought of that. Wow, that's fascinating. Uh, but over the course of the last couple of years, when he would every once in a while trot Ryan Huska out, you you couldn't believe how different the approach was, but also just how insightful it was. You're like, wow, that's really well-reasoned and really well-said. And I think it's that ability to articulate and really explain a situation to even the dumbest people like us in the media, uh, I think that sums up why he's going to be. Uh, I think he's got every chance to be successful as a head coach. That communication, and he said that. Yeah. He said my relationships and my communication are kind of the most important thing, and I think he's got a head start on on any other candidate out there by having those relationships already, knowing what didn't work in the past is an advantage too, and fixing it and moving forward in the in the in a positive way. That positive way is a very part important part of this because. It wasn't a positive experience for a lot of players. And he's got, a, he's got a softer touch, but I, I, I don't think we're talking. To, I remember dealing with Ryan Huska when he was the head coach of the Kelowna Rockets where they were playing Calgary and I believe the, the Western Conference final uh, in the Western League. It was the year Backland was with the Rockets. Yeah. So that would have been 07. Uh, I don't I – don't, where's Lou when you need him? But – I remember I was doing the pregame and postgame for the Hitman in the playoffs, and I interviewed Ryan Huskin. He was such a – like, he was very nice and soft-spoken, so I was like, oh, this is going to be, like, uh, an incredible interview. He's going to be, like, loquacious and fr- – and not to say he wasn't friendly, but he was so intense and so dialed, and, and still there was that soft-spoken, very conversational approach, but he was like – he could tell that he was like getting tired of the questions. He's like, "Enough already, kid! Like, mm-hmm. I wanna, I wanna move on and coach the game. I got a game to focus on and prep to focus on." So I, I, I think that the yes, he's got a softer touch, but I think the whole idea of him being, oh, you know, the the, the pushover, soft players, co- I don't think that's no. the case. I and they're gonna work hard at that. Yeah, you know, Craig Conroy said, "I'm gonna go in and let everyone know. First thing, this is your guy. He's running the team. He's calling all the shots. You listen to him moving forward." And there could be no questions about his firm handedness. Well, Conroy even said that, like, with talking to people who played for him in Kelowna, they're like, yeah, there were times we thought he was even, like, a little too demanding and a little bit too hard. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that that side, the intense side is there. Uh, I really do believe that. And the last thing that I'll say, I know for a fact this guy is extremely well-respected inside that dressing room by players, uh, by the guys that he's now going to coach. I've, I've heard it from a number Agreed. of very, very well-respected. Agreed. And uh, I think a lot of people saw him as a bit of a salvation. When things were going sideways, he was their guy that they could confide in and, and ask, get some answers yep. uh, at a time when they felt they couldn't get answers from the head coach potentially. Yep. All right, there it is. Uh, Pat Steinberg, thank you. Nope, Thank you for it. shutting off my mic. I appreciate that. Uh, there are better ways See, to I say just, goodbye I just need to, to be somebody. The one I know he needs to run this show. Uh, he will run the show in just a couple minutes with Aaron Vickers. Uh, this is the uh, Eric Francis show. It's brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. Live standard bread racing is back every Friday and Saturday at Century Downs Racetrack and Casino. Get out there and see the action. Twice in the last two weeks, the track record has been broken. 
and uh, by a horse named Shark Week. It's uh, it's pretty exciting moment when the track record gets broken, especially when it's done in consecutive weeks. Visit thehorses.com. Must be 18 plus. Please play responsibly. Thank you so much for listening. Congratulations to Ryan Huska. Look forward to working with him. And uh, I think the organization took a real positive step today. You've been listening to The Eric Francis Show.